Before we start, let's ask God to bless us. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that we can go over this story that you've written in your book. And it's all through the Old Testament. And it's the story of God becoming man, God coming to earth and becoming human like we are so that he could be the one to pay the price for our sins because no one else could pay the price, but he did. So we thank you, Lord, and we just pray that you would bless this story today. In Jesus' name, amen. I've often wondered about the Old Testament people. How did they know? How did they know about the Savior that was going to come? How did they know about salvation? How were they saved? And you're only saved one way. The Bible says it's through Jesus Christ paying for your sin. So in the Old Testament, they looked ahead to the time he would come, and they believed in him, the one who would come. We look back to the time he did come, and we believe that he did come. So everything centers in what Jesus Christ did. And so I'm going to just look just a little bit, because in the very beginning, how did they know anything? They knew everything we know, and maybe more, because they didn't have a Bible, but they did have this, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day, that's Psalm 19, uttereth words, and night unto night, knowledge. What knowledge from the starry sky? Well, we see that God, when he created the earth, what did he do the fourth day? It says, on the fourth day, God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And this word stars is often used for angels in the Bible. The stars in Judges, the stars in the heavens fought against Sisera. So stars can be equated with angels. And so that's when the angels were created the fourth day before man was created. And so we see he made the stars also. When we read about the fall of Lucifer becoming Satan, he wanted to be as great as God. He wanted to have his throne above the stars of God, the other thrones of other angels over other heavenly beings. So I think probably uh, when God made the lesser light to rule the night. And every time I see the moon, I say, hello, lesser light, you're ruling the night. And they see the greater light is the sun to rule the day. But he made the stars also, and he set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and the night, to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And so what did he do then the sixth day? in verse 26 of chapter 1. That's why Genesis is so very important. You know, you just can't get enough of Genesis. There's everything in there. But it says, and God said, let us make man, us. Well, you know, we saw in the beginning, God, that's a plural word. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit made the heavens and the earth. And so then in verse 26, let us, God the Father and God the Son, and so we see that this trinity is presented in the Bible. God the Father is the planner of the plan. God the Son is the executor of the plan. God the Holy Spirit is the revealer of the plan. And so we find the Holy Spirit has written this whole book for us to understand. But before they had a Bible, how did they know these things? 
They knew them from the heavenly pictures. And so God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, man, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth subdue it and you have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth now who heard this what angel was put over the earth it was lucifer son of the morning was his name jesus name is the morning star but lucifer's son of the morning he was the most gorgeous archangel that god created and when God created the angels. He put the higher ones, the archangels, over different bodies in the heavens to rule and help him rule his universe. And over this one, he put Lucifer, the son of the morning. He had dominion over this earth. Well, then the sixth day, two days later, God creates this creature out of dust. And can you imagine this glorious creature looking at on at this? And he's covered with every precious jewel. He can sing like a pipe organ. Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 tell all about him, how gorgeous he was, how brilliant he was. And then he heard God say, I'm giving you, man, a dominion over this earth. And he's thinking, I can just imagine, I have dominion over this earth. And I think that's probably, when did Satan fall? probably then when God gave dominion to man and took it away from him. He has great power. He still has great power. He's the God of this age. Jesus said he's more powerful than we are, but he has to flee from us. Do you know why? Because every believer in Jesus Christ, the moment you believe, God puts his Holy Spirit within you. And his Holy Spirit when he writes in the New Testament, he says, greater is he, the Holy Spirit, who indwells a believer than he that's in the world, that's Satan. So all we need to do is say, get thee behind me, Satan, or get gone, leave. We have power, great power over him, but he is still very mighty and very powerful. And so, um, so when God did this and made man and made the stars, and I want you to see, when he made the stars, he put them in constellations. I don't know whether you can see this. Heidi made these for me years ago. But I want us to see, this is a sign of the zodiac. These are all the stars and the constellations that God put in the heavens. And I, I want you to have your own picture so that you can see this. But where on earth do you read a circle? Well, they find in ancient Egypt that between Virgo and Leo is a sphinx. So that's the riddle of the Sphinx. Between Virgo and Leo is the Sphinx. So that's where you read it. So between Virgo, now see this prostrate woman here? And one of the names of the star is the branch. And he's called the branch three times in the Old Testament. And then here is the mother with the baby in her lap. But between the two is the lion of the tribe of Judah or the rending lion. So Leo the lion and Virgo. And you separate them. You start to read, not with the lion. That finishes up. The lion is going to subdue and eat up the big serpent that's winding. The longest constellation in the heavens is the serpent. And 
Here's a raven eating him. And that's going to be the end of Satan. God's going to do away with him someday, and I can hardly wait. But we will be in heaven probably when he does this. But so with reading this story, uh, and each of these stars tell the story that's now in the Bible. See, it's about a virgin that will bear a son, and he'll be a mighty man. This star, Tole Man, in this great figure here, means the heretofore and the hereafter. He always was. And between the legs of this mighty man who's killing a lamb, it's God allowing God to be killed. This is the victim, and this is a picture of what would happen at the cross. And underneath the legs is the Southern Cross, and the main star is he would be cut off, cut off. And that's what Daniel said, Messiah will be cut off, the same word. So all these same stars, all the way through the Bible, and I've written on here some of the names of these stars. For example, the pierced one is one of the stars. He comes is Arcturus, the coming shepherd. Another one is gloriously beautiful. Vindiametrix means the branch who comes. And the one who covers, the price that covers, and the pierced one, the despised offering. And then Alpha Centauri is the heretofore and the hereafter. And Christ, the um, victor, slain by his own act. That's that picture I showed you. The scales is, were weighed in the balances and found wanting. Every one of these stars has an Arabic name, and it tells a story of what would happen. There'd be a mighty conflict down through the ages between this beautiful angel and this mighty man of God, the God-man who would be born. But so how is he going to come into the world? Well, we see then you move ahead to Genesis 12, and we see that God goes down into what's now Iraq, but it was ancient Babylon, and down at Ur of the Chaldees, and he spoke to a man named Abram. Now, Abram probably saw the stars and knew what God was going to do. So it says in chapter 12, God said to Abram, get out of your country, from your kindred, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you. And in you, Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, Abram was a heathen. And we read at the end of Joshua that on the other side of the flood, it says your ancestors worshiped idols. In what idols did they worship? What did they worship down there where the Kabbalah is? They worshiped the moon, didn't they? In Judges chapter 8, it's a very interesting thing. When this fight occurs and God lets the Jewish people win over Zeba and Zalmunna. So when they beat these fellows, in verse 21, they killed Zeba and Zalmunna and took the crescent ornaments, verse 21, that were on their camels' necks. The crescent ornaments, just like what's on the University of Tampa. That's the sign of the moon god. That's the sign of Islam today. The moon god, that's what Allah is. It's not the same God that we worship, not the God of the Bible, but it's the moon God that Abram worshiped way long ago. And so God took him out of that. He said, if you'll go to the land, I'll show you. And so he went out not knowing whether he was going. And God then said he would bless him and 
How did he bless him? Well, he blessed him with Abraham, Isaac, and Jake, and Judah. Each one of these descendants of Abram, Abram had many children, but the Bible zeroes in on the ones that are in the background of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he promises the same thing to each one of them, that in you, in your family, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Then he comes on down even further, and many stories about this are wonderful. You can find about the coming of the Lord all through the Old Testament. And in Second Samuel 7, that's a very important passage. It says about David. It comes down to David, who's descended from Abram. Abraham, his name, was changed to. So in verse 12 of chapter 7 of Second Samuel, When your days are fulfilled, David, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. Now, he hasn't established it yet, has he? But he's going to someday. Just as surely as Jesus came the first time, the first time he came to pay for sin. The next time he's going to come to be the king over all the earth, and things will be wonderful. The lamb will lie down with a leopard, a little baby will be playing at the snake's den, and nothing will hurt nor destroy in all of God's creation. It'll be a wonderful time when Jesus comes back. I will set up your seed, David, and he will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever, forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. I think if when he becomes iniquity, he became a sin offering, I will chasten him with a rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. You know how cruel they were to Jesus when they crucified him. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house, David, and your kingdom shall be established, again he says, forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. So, Nathan, the prophet, told all of this to David. So this is the background. Now then, as you come into the prophets, they knew about this. They knew these same things because for 2,500 years, there was no written record. So for 2,500 years, how did people know about the Savior that would come? They knew from these stories the names of the stars. And so we see then that in Isaiah chapter 9 is a wonderful one. It says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. See, Isaiah believed this. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, not Wonderful Counselor. He is a counselor, but he's also a God of wonders. So when they say a Wonderful Counselor, just forgive them that they don't know that there's a comma after Wonderful. He's Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. Now, where was David's throne? He captured Jerusalem, didn't he? It was a heathen stronghold in Genesis. Melchizedek was from there. So anyway, upon the throne of David in Jerusalem and over David's kingdom to order it and establish it with justice and judgment from that time forward, even forever, how will this happen? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And then Isaiah 11 says, There shall come from the stem of Jesse, that was David's father, a rod, 
a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now, Virgo has a branch in her hand. He's called the branch. He's the branch of God. The branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, understanding, of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by the sight of his eyes nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the poor, decide with equity. It'll be for once we'll have fairness in court. (laughs) We certainly need it today, don't we? But with righteousness he will judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of Christ's waist. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. Can't do that today, can you? You know, there was a young lady from Niger who smiled as she rode on the tiger at the end of the ride. She was inside on the smile on the face of the tiger. That's the way it is today, but not back here. (laughs) You know that old saying. But anyway, in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse who will stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left from all over the world. God will bring all the Jewish people back to his land. The outcasts of Israel, the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And so people say God's through with Israel and the church is now Israel. That's not true. All of these prophecies, it doesn't sound like he's through with Israel here, does it? that he's going to bring the outcast from all over the world, and he will rule over them. There's many more things in the Old Testament from Malachi. It's wonderful to keep reading all of this. The more you read the Bible, the more it shows you Jesus. But in starting this Christmas story, we're going to start a little bit with Matthew. Turn to Matthew 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now see, this genealogy just goes back to David's time. But in Luke chapter 3 is Mary's genealogy, and it goes clear back to Adam and Eve. Matthew is written to prove to the Jewish people that Jesus is the king of the Jews. He's the Jewish king. He's very Jewish. So he said, Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac Jacob, and Jacob begat Judah and his brothers. Judah begat Perez and Zerah by Tamar, Perez begat Hezron, Hezron Ram, Ram begat Aminadab, Aminadab nation, nation Salmon, Salmon begat Boaz by Rahab. You know, Salmon was one of the spies, but he married Rahab the harlot, and their child was Boaz in the line of Jesus. It's so wonderful to think of these things. Boaz begat Obed by Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king. David the king begat Solomon, He had a lot of children, but he begat Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah and mother Bathsheba. Solomon begat Rehoboam. Rehoboam begat Abijah, Abijah, Asa. I was going through the tier to the Old Testament. Asa begat Jehoshaphat. He was a very foolish king. He loved the Lord, and yet he didn't have good common sense. And you can read about him in 2 Kings, uh, how foolish he was in making an alliance with Ahab, of all people, one of the worst kings, who married 
Jezebel, well, you remember her, how terrible she was. Well, he made an alliance with him, and it brought his death. So Jehoshaphat begat Joram, Joram begat Uzziah, Uzziah begat Jotham, Jotham Ahaz, Ahaz begat Hezekiah, Hezekiah begat Manasseh, Manasseh begat Ammon, Ammon begat Josiah, and Josiah begat Jeconiah and his brothers. Now when? It's about the end time of the Old Testament. About the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begat Shealtiel, and Shealtiel begat Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel begat Abiud, Abiud, Eliakim, Eliakim begat Azor, Azor begat Zadok, Zadok begat Achim, so forth, Ehud, uh, Eliezer begat Matin, Matin begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now, the reason this is here is to prove that Joseph was not the real father. He was a stepfather. He was Mary's husband, but the Holy Spirit was the father of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this proves that. Do you know why? Because Jeconiah, back in, write this in your margin, Jeremiah twenty-two thirty, that Jeconiah was so wicked that God said to him, about the time they were taken captive to Babylon, after the Babylonians had destroyed Jerusalem, he said, you are so wicked that no man of your seed shall ever sit on the throne of Israel again. So Joseph, he was from that family. So he had no right. And any Jewish scribe or leader could see this, could see that Joseph had no part with Mary, except he was her husband. He was not the father of Jesus. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. From the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. Now turn to Luke chapter 1 because then we'll go on and see what Dr. Luke has to say. And he starts out, he said, many have written about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these things are surely believed among us. He said, but I'm writing this to Theophilus, a lover of God, that he may know the certainty of these things in which he'd been taught about Jesus' birth. And so he goes back, he tells about the birth of John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. There was in the days of Herod, so it brings it to the time of Herod the Great, uh, who was the ruler over Israel. And the Herods, do you know where they came from? From Esau that family that always hated the Jewish people. And he's called an Idumean. They were from Idumea. And I have it written down someplace, but when you follow the line of Herod, and probably they're over there today, probably the Palestinian people are people from this same family. But so there was in the days of Herod, um, read First Chronicles 24 about the division of Abijah, but Herod, his line, you know, when you get to the book of Esther, who was the enemy of the Jews there? Haman. Now, Haman the Agagite. So Agag, who hated the Jews way back in Exodus, he hated them, and he was from this family. So Haman was also from this same family. Did he love the Jews? No, he wanted to wipe them out. But the Lord worked things so that he was wiped out and all of his 11 sons with him. So then in the days of Herod, there was a certain priest 
named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. They each priest was in a division where they would have a certain period of time they would serve in the temple in Jerusalem and the other time they would be free to be at home and do whatever they wanted to do. But so they were both righteous before God. This is still Old Testament ground. How were they righteous before God? Because walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Well, how could they be righteous without Jesus? Well, God covered over their sin, atoned for their sin with the blood of an innocent animal sacrifice. They would bring the sacrifice to the priest. They would put their hand on the head of the sacrifice and they would kill the sacrifice. And the sacrifice of an innocent lamb would die in their place. And that would be the atonement for their sin. So atonement took care of righteousness until Jesus came because we read in Hebrews that the blood of bulls and goats never could take away sin. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can take away sin. And so they were righteous, but they had no child, and they were well advanced in years. They were old. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the time of incense. So that was his job. Each priest had a certain thing. They'd take care of the incense. They'd take care of the other things in the tabernacle or the temple. So the whole multitude were praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell on him. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. See, it, this heaven had been like brass for all these years. And now for an angel to suddenly appear, no wonder he was frightened. But he said, you're going to have a son, you'll call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness. Many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will be a Nazarite. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And we're going to see that, that he jumped in his mother's womb when Mary appeared to him as she was just pregnant with Jesus. And so Mary goes down to see Elizabeth and the baby jumps before he's born. He will be filled with the Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him, that means the Messiah, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So that was his job, to make people ready for Jesus. And so when Jesus did appear and John saw him, what did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, not just atones for it, but takes it away. And so Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? Now he doesn't believe. How shall I know this? I'm an old man. Now Abraham didn't do this. He believed God would give him a son, even in his old age. And so did Sarah. But these two didn't. And so they're going to pay for it, really. How shall I know this? I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute, not able to speak 
until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak, and they perceived he'd seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, underline that five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Now, in the sixth month, now this is going to tell us when Jesus was born. He wasn't born at Christmas. Now, we celebrate his birth at Christmas, and that's all right. I love to do it too. But he was born probably at the Feast of Pentecost in the summer. We're going to see that. In the sixth month, now, when they came out of Egypt from slavery, God changed the calendar and he changed the month. And so the first month became the month they came out of slavery, and that was March, April. So this in the sixth month would be Elul, which would be August, September. So the sixth month, August, September, or Elul, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you've found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him, as we read in Second Samuel, the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And he said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born, will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, he said, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this, September, October, is the sixth month for her, who was called barren. So Elizabeth was six months along. So if, if normal birth, seven, eight, nine, who was born in December? John the Baptist, you see? So John was born in December, And Jesus was born six months later, probably at Pentecost in June, when the shepherds are out in the field keeping watch over their flock. For with God, the angel said, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days. Right away, she went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. See, she was still pregnant with John the Baptist. But he leaped in the womb because he was so happy that the mother of his Savior was coming because Jesus was already on the way 
in Mary's womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is, not will be, but blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. See, he said all the, in Genesis 22, when Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac and then he didn't have to. And God said to him, because you were willing to do this, all nations will be blessed from your descendants, from your descendant, Jesus. And Mary remained with Elizabeth three months, about three months, that would be Christmas, and returned to her house. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. And so this would be in Kislev, the ninth month, she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her. They rejoiced with her. And so it was. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. These would be the Jewish circumcisers. And his mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There's no one among your relatives who's called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table. And he wrote, saying, His name is John. And they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came on all those who dwelt around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. So what he said now is what the Holy Spirit is telling him to say. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham our father, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before God all the days of our life. And you, child, John, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high, this is the same word, day spring or sun rising or morning star, 
That's the same name for Jesus that we find in Revelation 22, 16. I'll just read it. At the very end of Revelation, Jesus said, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root of the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. And let him who is thirsty come. And whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And so salvation is a gift of God and it's free. And it's wonderful for each one of you. If there's anyone here that hasn't accepted Jesus' free gift of salvation, you can just do it. Just tell him you're believing in him. As the day spring from on high, the morning star to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts. This is John. Till the day of his manifestation in Israel. Now we'll turn back to Matthew again and read in Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Dr. Ryrie says, this was Herod the Great, whose family, though nominally Jewish, were in reality Edomite, and who was king with Roman help from 40 to 4 B.C. He built the temple in Jerusalem that Christ knew. And so the, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east, this would be from Babylon, came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now in Numbers chapter 24, I really need to read that to you about Balaam's prophecy. You know Balaam, the, the greedy for money prophet, but he was a child of God, but he'd do anything for money. And so the Edomite king hired him to curse Israel. And he tried to, but God wouldn't let him curse whom God had blessed. And so toward the end, he said in chapter 24, verse 14, And now indeed I am going to my people. Come, I will advise you what this people, Jews, will do to your people, the Edomites, Moab, in the latter days. So he took up his oracle and said, The utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, and the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. I see him, but not now. This means the morning star. I shall see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter, as be a king, shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. And Edom shall be a possession, Seir and his enemies, and that would be all the people of Herod's family, while Israel does valiantly. Out of Jacob, one shall have dominion and destroy the remains of the city. And so this is what they said. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem. So when he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, 
where is the Christ to be born? So they said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler. This is Micah chapter 5, verse 2, who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go, search diligently for the young child when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star, which they had seen in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. Now see, this is probably two years later, because he's a young child now in a house, not in a manger, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that's what Isaiah chapter 60 says, at the second coming, wise men will come from the east and bring gold and frankincense, but not myrrh. See, that's the burial spice. So they'll bring these other then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now back to chapter 2 of Luke. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the Roman Empire, all the world, should be taxed or registered. And this census first, underlined first, evidently had never been done before. It was first done when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered everyone to his own city. Joseph went up from Galilee also out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife. See, she was from another son of David um, and Bathsheba named Nathan. So Joseph came from Solomon and Mary came from Nathan. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Notice they weren't singing. They were saying, <laughs> glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, well, let's go to Bethlehem, see this thing that's come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard. 
And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. This is from Exodus chapter 13. To offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. That's like us today, waiting for the second coming. We're all anxious for him to come back. But he was anxious for him to come the first time. And it, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared before the face of all the people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother, Notice Joseph, not his mother and father, Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which are spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul, Mary, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel. So his life is filled with silent years from his offering up. So then when they had performed all these things, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And so that's the end of the Christmas story. But then there's silent years until he does appear on the scene. Like in John chapter one, John sees him and baptizes him and says, behold, the Lamb of God has now come to take away the sins of the world. So Lord, thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Thank you for each one that's come out. Bless us and bless our families in Jesus' name. Amen. Any questions? Yes. What family was Herod? Herod's family was from Esau. Clear back to Esau. And Agag. See, Saul lost the kingdom. He was supposed to get rid of Agag. Instead, he didn't. So when you meet all these people all the way through the Bible, it's quite interesting to see them come back and their descendants in the New Testament.